we trust the government to protect us. That's why we drink tap water, wear sunscreen, and take cough medicine without much of a second thought. Because regulations are in place to ensure that these things are safe. But there are more than 1,200 compressor stations around the United States that are known to release harmful chemicals into the air. And a new study by the Virginia Scientist Community Interface finds that the monitoring of these polluting stations are falling short. Welcome to The Interface. We are a production of the Virginia Scientist Community Interface, a coalition of scientists and engineers who get science into the hands of community members. I'm your host, Gabrielle Jauer, and today we're talking to Team Environmental Justice about their research on how pollution from natural gas compressor stations harms local communities. My name is Clara Frazier, and I'm a PhD candidate at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I've been a team member of the environmental justice team since like fall 2021. I'm Hannah Mast. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Virginia, and I have been a part of the environmental justice team since it began. I founded it in spring of 2021 and have been an active member of it ever since. First off, let me just say, like, congratulations on publishing your paper last month. I was looking it over in the GeoHealth Journal, and being the toddler that I am, I was a little bit disappointed that there weren't any pictures of compressor stations. What exactly are we talking about here when we say compressor station? A compressor station is basically a facility that's placed along certain intervals of natural gas infrastructure. And as you have your natural gas throwing, flowing through the pipeline, it can like slow down and lose pressure. So these compressor stations are placed there to help repressurize the gas and get it flowing at correct speed again to get it from point A to point B. Visually what a compressor station looks like, it kind of, it just looks like some sort of industrial building. It'll have a chain linked fence around it and often have big industrial looking tubes going around it. In addition to what you'll see there, You'll also probably hear it. They contribute to noise pollution as well as air pollution. They tend to be placed in rural areas. The big transportation pipelines tend to go through more rural areas just because it's easier to build there and easier for them to buy land. But they're often near towns because people need to work there to maintain the compressor station. And how does a compressor station work exactly if it's this big industrial facility How do they keep the natural gas flowing? They're just big combustion engines. They combust some sort of fuel to power the compression of gas within the pipeline. Like most other engines, they release air pollutants, similar to like how a car or other factories submit. It's just a product of the engines compressing the gas. What prompted you to investigate compressor stations in the first place? We had been working on environmental justice issues related to natural gas pipeline infrastructure for a few months, and 
had written a pub- a couple public comments to different government agencies that regulate pipelines and a community advocate that worked on natural gas pipeline issues saw some of our comments and they basically just sent us a cold email and were like, hey, there's this issue that I'm, I'm really interested in, but I don't have a background in science. Can you guys do a lit review on the science behind this issue? I think it would really fill like an important knowledge gap that community advocates don't have readily available to them. The work that you did, the literature review, what was that like? How long did that take? We definitely spent a lot of time and looked into a lot of different academic journals and government websites, looking into the literature and kind of pulling together different aspects of how compressor stations affect communities and also the health of people, um, but also specifically how these compressor stations are placed in certain communities that may be more vulnerable to health effects. What did you find? I think some of the biggest takeaways is that we know that compressor stations release a variety of chemicals that are harmful to human health. These include things like volatile organic compounds, nitrous oxides, and particulate matter. There's been lots of studies showing that these are released from compressor stations and they do negatively impact the health of communities around them. So people living in proximity to compressor stations have been shown to have higher risk of cardiovascular disease, respiratory irritation, (laughs) and even psychological effects like depression or insomnia. And it's not actually well documented how much they release. There's actually a a possibility that we're actually like undersampling how much pollution is released by these compressor stations. So we're not getting an accurate picture of how communities are actually affected. The most surprising thing to me was how indoor air pollution can be impacted by compressor stations. It was crazy how poor indoor air quality could be near a compressor station. It can be much worse inside than it is outside. You can have indoor air quality can be like way worse than it is outdoor and the air quality monitoring is going to be done outside, not indoor. It's not like you go inside and you're now you're like safe from that air pollution like it's it's more concentrated there wow so there are these myriad of chemicals that are released by compressor stations and we know that they harm people who are nearby but we don't have that much information about how many of these chemicals are in the air and how much they're harming people i think one of the biggest things that we found is just how much of a knowledge gap there is in this in this field in general. And there's so many things we don't know and we're kind of learning on the fly. In the grand scheme of things, natural gas development hasn't been going on for that long. There's just not a lot of information about how the cumulative impacts of emissions really impacts human health, particularly in the long term, but also how it affects communities that might already have reduced baseline health given other social factors. Yeah, a big part of your paper deals with the environmental justice aspect of compressor stations. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? The compressor station doesn't exist in a vacuum. The pollution that comes from the compressor station is one stress on a community, but in order to understand how that community will respond to that stress, you have to understand the baseline of that community. 
a lot of infrastructure is placed in areas that have cheaper land. The people who tend to live in that areas are more likely to be people of color, lower income, disabled, more elderly populations. Those are all big risk factors for how someone will respond to that pollution given all the other stressors they experience. So considering all those cumulative effects together, that's where you really see the environmental justice component come in. Part of me says there are laws and regulations to protect people against this kind of thing. The EPA and the Clean Air Act and all of these government regulations. So where is that failing? One big issue is that air pollution standards that are out there are often a threshold of an air pollutant. A concentration of that air pollutant in the air isn't supposed to cross a threshold if you average over, say, 24 hours. But that mm -hmm. doesn't mean if there's a big pulse of that pollutant for one hour where you have really high particulate matter in the air. It's still harmful to humans, but it can be averaged out based on air quality standards. There's not air quality monitoring continuously happening at the compressor station. Some government official might come in and collect air quality data throughout the year, but it's not continuous. So you can miss like really acute pulses of air pollution that are still harmful. When they do maintenance on the compressor station, they flush out the whole system. That's when you'll have people exposed to really high levels of air pollution. But that's not necessarily when the monitoring's being done. <laughs> really high pollution events are missed and don't get documented as a violation of the air quality standards. If we're not monitoring air quality during these like blowdown events, then we don't actually know what people are being exposed to. We don't have the whole picture of what's actually going on at these compressor stations. Yeah, I'm thinking of like an analogy where you're in a room and the temperature isn't supposed to go above like 80 degrees, right? But in the middle of the day, it gets like really, really hot. It gets like up to 100 degrees, but it's only 100 degrees for like an hour or two and then it goes back down. So if someone's taking temperature measurements of that room throughout like two or three times a day, the odds of them measuring when the temperature is like 100 are pretty low. And even if they do measure when the temperature is 100, it's going to be averaged out. There's not consistent air quality monitoring, and it's also not publicly available for us to look at. For us as scientists to try to document this issue and for community members nearby who want to see that data. A lot of the time when we first started writing, it, it was like pretty academic. And then one of our reviewers kind of came in and slashed it. And it's like, what do you think communities actually need? It was a hard balance to walk and definitely pushed us a little bit. When we got those comments back from that reviewer, it got us out of our comfort zone in a good way. We have looked into the science, but how do we actually take it a step further? At the heart of this, it's a community issue and how it potentially impacts communities. We really tried to tie in our recommendations for like people who are pretty much living on the front lines. Let's say that I have a friend who lives in one of these communities near a compressor station. What could they do to protect themselves and advocate for themselves? One of the big things that community members can do is, is push for data transparency as well. 
if community members don't know what they're being exposed to, then they might not be able to adequately protect themselves. If that data were to be made like publicly available and also publicly available in a way that is um, easily interpreted by people in the community, then they can respond appropriately. I know that in the paper you touched a little bit on the TAME project. Could you could you explain that? I think it's still ongoing in the Tidewater region of Virginia. And it's essentially a, a good example of making air quality data accessible to a community in real time as well. There are these air monitors placed around um, different areas like in the Tidewater region to kind of see how I think like coal infrastructure is affecting air quality. These monitors are actually measuring in real time. So all of this information is accessible via the internet. You can see in real time different levels of, of air quality. The best part about it is that it's so easy to read, easy to Google, take you right to the page. There's clearly a map that anyone could understand. And then at the bottom, they have links to community meetings and a person at Virginia DEQ that you can contact if you live near one of these sensors and have a concern. That's just how data transparency should be. It should be easy for people to find and understand. Yeah, imagine like having to dig through academic journals to figure out what the temperature was going to be. Oh my God. But that's kind of what it's like in most communities. Stuff is like totally inaccessible. The TAME project serves as a really great model for the community involvement because it's giving people the option to go and, and provide feedback and also to learn more about what's actually going on in a way that will hopefully affect the decision-making process. Yeah, I find it really interesting because I feel like a lot of the times when there are issues with things like natural gas pipelines and compressor stations, you know, the obvious solution would be like, get rid of the pipeline, get rid of the compressor stations. But the solutions that you guys are giving are more nuanced. Ultimately, all of these decisions are affecting a community and therefore should like be made by the community themselves. We talk so much about how we want more air quality monitoring. And I, I think that should be the pipeline company's jobs. How cool would it be if like that monitoring was integrated into permits that the pipeline companies need to get and they have to pay for it and do it themselves. So it's not like the communities themselves paying to protect themselves from some infrastructure project. It's just another aspect of environmental justice that goes beyond just the air pollution. To address the problem, we need more air quality monitors, and it's the people being impacted by it that are having to pay for it and advocate for it. But Responsibility should fall on people who are, you know, causing the problem in the first place. So what comes next for you guys? We're doing a lot of work after we published the paper to try to get it to community members directly, nonprofits, giving it to lawyers who work at those nonprofits, they're kind of the voice of communities a lot of times. And then we're also presenting to a natural gas pipeline community safety meeting. We have someone writing a one pager about the paper that will like sort of translate it to more general audiences that we plan to send to community advocates and state and federal Congress members whose citizens will be impacted by compressor stations and pipelines broadly. What can our listeners do 
to learn more or get involved? I would say definitely you can check out our paper if you want to read more about some studies that have actually focused on impacted communities. There's some really great examples in there. If you're in an area that's potentially affected by compressor station development or other natural gas development, it's worth looking into opportunities for getting involved, like community meetings. You could even write comments during a public comment period and and let your opinion be heard by the decision makers. I'll just add that there's a lot of nonprofits and different grassroots organizations that lead the way on community efforts to make sure the community needs are heard. They have resources to help you directly get involved. If you want to read the article with the team's full findings and recommendations, check out GeoHealth Volume 7, Issue 11. Link is in the show notes. And to learn about the Virginia Scientist Community Interface, go to our website, virginiasci.org. That's virginiasci.org. Thanks again to our incredible guests, Hannah Mast and Clara Frazier. Our music is from the fantastic Phineas Moore. Thanks also to our amazing producer slash editor, Yezi Young. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.